Welcome to Kid Tech, the show that goes behind the scenes with all the movers and shakers in the kids' digital media space. I'm your host, Dylan Collins, the CEO of Super Awesome. Today, I've got a great conversation with Laura Zabarski, who's the president of Jazzwares, one of the most exciting toy companies uh, in North America and indeed the world. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Listen on. Laura Zabarski, president of Jazzwares. Thank you very much for making time to uh, join us on Kid Tech today. Thank you. So excited to be here, Dylan. Um, I would love to start with um, a little, maybe even a lot, uh, about Jazzwares. It's one of the fastest growing companies, toy companies um, in the US. Um, I think it's it's probably fair to say maybe you guys are a little under the radar, I think particularly maybe for some of our listeners who are not from the toy space. So it would be amazing if you could just talk about the company's history. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I think you're right. I think Jazzwares has always been a little under the radar. I'd say we're a little less so under the radar now as we're currently uh, the number eight toy manufacturer in the US. And then even globally, we're seeing our ranks grow in the top 10 in so many various markets. And the company was founded in 1997. We're actually heading into our 25th anniversary next year, which is like so hard to believe. It actually is also the 25th birthday of my daughter. So um, Judd Zabersky, our CEO, started the company when my daughter was almost one year old. And um, it's I was a trial lawyer at the time. And he's like, I'm going to try to do this toy thing. And I was like, yeah, sure, go. And that sounds awesome. Not realizing at the time that uh, he'd be spending half his time in China and um, for many, many, many years and um, really learning the business. He had grown up around the business and but did it himself. And I was fortunate to join him. Um, I think it's almost 15 years ago now. I practiced law that entire time and sold my practice, went into help one day. And I think what's so interesting about Jazzwares is, is the way we started. And it's hard for young companies to start nowadays. And Judd secured the license back then for WWF. That was before WWE. And he, it was a right. housewares license because he always knew he wanted to get in the action figure business. And that was a great, so we did these 3D molded Stone Cold Steve Austin sippers and, you know, ultimately became like a bowling alley in our house with the sippers. But uh, that's kind of got him kicked off. And then from there was licenses like Mega Man, and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. But the irony was back then we were in the video game business and nobody cared. You know, nobody cared about kids <laughs> playing video games or young adults playing video games. And we were, and Judd was always committed to the fact that video games were a critical part of the fabric of society that people would want to collect, that it was part of socialization and interaction. And um, as we evolved, that, that model and that idea about the importance of video games really has, has propelled us. And I think when we became on people's radar really was with Minecraft. So, you know, for us, it was Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic was a big important license for us. And, and fans started to realize, wow, Jazzwares has something to offer. They understand how to be true to the collector. They understand what to do. And then when we signed Minecraft, everyone's like, wait, who's Jazzwares? What are they doing? What's Minecraft? By the way, Minecraft right. was not easy to sell in the early days. And then it's really evolved since then. So far beyond the action figures, as you know, is 
we're in the preschool space, we're in the music space, we are in the vehicle space, we're in the plush space with Squishmallows. So we are really, you know, dominating in multiple categories. But I would say, you know, the beginning was really focused on, on that figural type business. Right. And I mean, it's, it's an amazing journey. And I, I sort of want to come back to the video games aspect, you know, a, a little later on. Do you think, you know, when you look around today, is, is it, would it be harder or, or even impossible to start a Jazzwares today to, to grow it to the same scale that you guys have? I think it's, it's a very, very difficult industry um, it, it, for anybody, but I do think it's really mm. hard. The, the barriers to entry are super difficult with testing you know, mm. with all the requirements that are required. We were attorneys by background, so we always tested and over-tested. You know, we lived in fear right. of, of, God forbid, something happening. And, but between testing, between shipping and logistics, and even the customer base, it's super challenging. You know, back when we were in business, Toys R Us was such an important part of the business for any new toy company. And then when that went away and it became something... It became different, our business, and online is super important, but it is much, much different than it ever was, and it is super challenging, the barriers of entry and, and the cost to doing so. You know, a lot of the small vendors today, if you look at their struggles, what they have to deal with with containers, you know, big companies can pivot, and if they have to pay for these containers that could be twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 a container, they have a lot more flexibility than a lot of smaller companies do. And they have a lot of resources right. to figure out, well, what do I do? How do I get my goods here? Will my customers still buy my goods? And so mm -hmm. I think it's very, very challenging industry. Probably all consumer products are very, very difficult for new companies to get into, um, especially where we had no money, you know, shoestring and, and really built it ourselves from the ground up. Very difficult. Right. And, and you, um, you talked about container prices, and, and obviously there's been a lot of supply chain fallout um, post-COVID. But, I mean, when you sort of look back on the last 24 months, I mean, how is, as, as all the various uh, impacts of COVID, um, how has that changed the toy industry? And, and, and is this, like, when you talk about those changes, I'm curious whether you think those are temporary or permanent? It's so interesting. You know, we say a lot of times now we're almost a logistics company in some ways. I mean, we're manufacturers of toys. We make and design and sell toys. But yet most of our days right now are focused on the logistics side of the business. And it's changed dramatically because there's problems in so many different areas, not just the port. So uh, not just containers, right? There are containers, there's ships, COVID shutting down factories. Um, trucking here in the United States, DCs being closed mm. here in the US, uh, warehousing, hiring workers, cost of labor. It is, you know, we thought that the worst was over when, you know, everybody reopened. And remember being so grateful when retailers, many who were closed, you know, were able to reopen their doors and didn't have an online business. And then getting the goods to them making the goods has proven to be really, really challenging. And um, I think that there will be some improvement, but we don't know when that will be. And we're really looking for 22 to be still challenging in the logistics department. Mm, wow. And, and how is, I mean, when you think about 
sort of one layer up from that at consumers and parents and family how do you see their interaction with play and with toys and figures evolving over the same period i think you know we all know and immediately everybody shut down um everyone thought it was going to be for like this two-week period and everybody in the world bought puzzles and games me included right everybody's like okay we're hunkering down it's you know, for us in Florida, it's like a hurricane, we're ready. And so, um, and then after that period of time, it, you know, real life kind of took place where kids needed to independently play, independently socialize and interact. And we really saw the high demand for things like action figures, Squishmallows, um, all of our brands where Coco Melon, where you could have interaction with something in a digital way or a streaming way or and something physical to play with. So, and the demand has not slowed at all. And I think that that's been also a big pressure on the overall entire system has been a very, very high demand for product, which really is something none of us could have forecasted against, right? We just couldn't have known that demand would be as high and that we'd see so much growth um, and, and that's not stopping. And you walk in the shelves and you'll see empty shelves. And um, we never want to have empty shelves. We want people to be able to find what they want. And we want everyone to have an amazing Christmas. But it is, um, demand is super high. And I mean, speaking of, of sort of explosive growth, I mean, we should talk about Squishmallows. Like that, yeah. that's been sort of a, a, like an absolute phenomenon. Um, what are like when you think about sort of growing that or, or its growth, I suppose, in the, in the, against the context of what you just described, right? In terms of lots of interesting issues around sort of physical access and supply. Like, how do you think about building that IP and building that brand with the audience, um, you know, sort of now and kind of into the future? Squishmallows is an amazing brand. You know, we, we bought mm. Kelly Toys, uh, we closed in April of 2020. So, uh, right. Oh, wow. Was it, I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. You could imagine integration has been, uh, tricky for sure. But what we saw was this phenomenal growth, um, and, and a brand that everybody can identify with very unusual to have a brand with such, um, demographics that are really, you know, 15 to 24 and even older. And, you know, everybody can identify with a Squishmallow. Uh, there's always one out there that kind of speaks to you or resonates with you. Most people are buying more than one. I saw a fun stat yesterday, like 25% of people are buying five or more, which is an insane number. Um, so, you know, we're really focused on growing the brand. We have some really fun things coming down the pike. Um, we're working on some video games. We've signed a licensing program. Uh, we have amazing partners in our licensing program, like BioWorld for, uh, and, and others. So what we're doing is making sure we have a robust program and then develop content against it. We signed with um, CAA, who is going to be our agent in securing uh, movie deals and things like that, as opposed to, you know, and we're also doing short form content. So we see this as a 360 property. We see this as a top property in the industry uh, because mm -hmm. we've only scratched the surface and the character base is so deep and people feel so committed to their characters and, and, and who they know to really start hearing more about the backstories and watching that develop is really important for us to build mm. the brand and for the longevity. 
I mean, it, do you think that Squishmallow represents the future of toy companies in terms of it, of it really being sort of big 360 products, you know, that end up taking you into sort of different different content surfaces and, and really building an entire world around these IPs? I, I really think, and I've been saying this for a long time, that you have to have a 360 experience with every every property. It's not enough just to be a linear TV. It's not enough just to be a game. It's not enough to be, the best properties are ones that have multiple exposure. So you can be on Disney Channel or Nick Jr. or Disney Jr. But we're always gonna be looking at, well, what are your YouTube views like? You know, and then if you're only on YouTube, we're gonna say, well, what's your streaming look like? And what else are you doing? Do you have a game? How many, how often are people able to have the eyeballs and the interaction? And, you know, we talk about the metaverse a lot, especially in the video game space. When you look at properties like Fortnite and Roblox and they're creating, even though it's like a one-stop shop for all of that, right? It's one-stop shop for socialization, for a movie, to watch a trailer, to watch a concert, to play with your friends, to collect, to trade, to, to do all these things in this one spot. Um, it's really interesting to see the whole Ready Player One philosophy really come to life. So I think, I think the 360 mm. perspective applies in multiple ways, depending on the property. Do you, do, you, do you think there's a version of the future where Jazzwares describes itself as, as a media company or maybe even a metaverse company rather than a toy company? You know, it's so interesting. We really pride ourselves on being a toy company and that's what we sure. do. And we make toys and we want to make innovative play for everybody. But we do look at all these other angles as, as marketing and support. And um, that's, we're a toy company first, we're product first and the marketing, which is super important to be creative and unique. We have some big, exciting announcements happening in November, but we all see it as in support of the brand as opposed to living in isolation of the product. Um, and the, you know, it's interesting you, you sort of brought up the metaverse in terms of like how quickly that digital landscape is evolving, but I actually want to take sort of a step back and, and think about, or step sideways maybe, and sort of think about the retail landscape. Cause I mean, that is, you know, to your point, I mean, that is, that is unrecognizable from what it was five <laughs> years ago. Um, I mean, where are you like when you talk about sort of or when you when you think about the trends that you're seeing amongst your retail partners, be they physical and digital, what, what do those look like and how are you expecting that to look in five years time? You know, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's it seems like I'm speaking the obvious when I say e-commerce is so important. It became so important even to brick and mortar retailers, especially with COVID. Everybody understood the power and whether it was. Um, click and collect as it is in the UK or it's curbside pickup in the United States. Uh, there's a various different ways that e-commerce can work for brick and mortar retailers. And there's many that have done a really beautiful job in transitioning, Smith's being one of them. And, you know, re-looking at their models. And then there's, you know, direct-to-consumer models that, you know, everybody is considering. What makes sense in the direct-to-consumer model? How does that work? you know, in conjunction with your mass market approach, we're very fortunate that we sell to everybody and everywhere, but not everybody is so, you know, fortunate. So I think the customers are there. 
You just need to be able to reach your customers and have a mechanism by which to sell them. And so um, you just have to evolve and not rely on, you know, we always live in fear. You know, we live in fear of a license going away. We live in fear of what's happening next. Are we ready? We don't want to rely on one property too much. And so part of that fear is how are people going to sell and how are people going to um, get our products in the best way without being too dependent on any one source? Sorry, my dog's walking out of that way. <laughs> uh guests are always welcome on the show um do you see do you think what you know again i suppose going back to the metaverse point do you think in sort of two or three or four years like there's there's a there's a world where people are able to actually buy um toys and products from within a lot of these virtual places from within these metaverses do you think we're going to see retail emerge there i think I think probably, I think that there's probably a lot of COPA issues and various other issues that'll have to be addressed. But I, I think we're starting to see some of that happening a little bit. Um, you know, it hasn't taken hold yet um, because again, it's all about an authentic experience. So there, that's the tricky piece is that everybody needs to be authentic. And then if it feels too commercialized, it's almost, you know, we use a reference jumping the shark. So I think it's right. a really good balance of of being authentic and giving your people a, and your fans a authentic use without you know kind of selling product um, in an obvious right. way. So I, I think everyone's trying to figure it out, but uh, I would imagine there will be a solution that that comes our way. Hmm. Um, Laura, you're president of Jazzwares. Can you? explain to the audience what that entails like what, what is your day-to-day -day like and, and and what areas of jazzwares do you are you responsible for so um i will say you know on the day-to-day -day, um i run the day-to-day -day operations of the company following the vision of our ceo judd zaberski um, my job is to execute on his vision and make sure that our teams are executing on that strategy which has been a wonderful amazing strategy that's allowed us to have this unbelievable growth from the acquisition strategy the global strategy um and really that's what i, I always call myself the executioner and that's what i am um and like when i suppose when you consider some of the things that might not be obvious to people that you deal with in your day-to-day. -day. Are, are there any trends kind of at that operational level which you're starting to see bubble up? Um, you know, I think for us, you know, we've talked a lot about the logistics side of the business, which has mm. become a lot more mm. important. We opened our own warehouse this year. Uh, our sales team has become way more knowledgeable about the things of logistics because they've <laughs> almost become, you know, selling, to getting it on the shelf where they never had to think about that piece, right? You just sell it in and mm -hmm. then they deal with the sell through, but now they need to make sure the product is getting on the shelf. And so I think right now, a lot of our days are on those details of, of, of making sure our product has arrived, but also mm -hmm. making sure we have the right portfolio for our fans and making sure we're signing the right new properties, making sure our pipeline looks amazing. And, and what's, and are we really, We've been really unique in tapping in on the trends. Judd's had a great vision for what that is back from the days of Mega Man and Street Fighter and evolving that um, throughout time and really ahead of our time. And we've, you know, we had a property called Tube Heroes with YouTube celebrities like 
before anybody was really talking about YouTube. And we used to post mm. these crazy numbers, like they have 4 billion views. And everybody's like, wait, what are you talking about? Like YouTube was just such a brand new thing. And so I think that that's really a lot of what we're doing is, you know, all these pieces together, working as a team. We have an excellent leadership team and we are very much a collaborative force of uh, in following that vision. I remember seeing Two Heroes when it came out. And I remember thinking that, you know, jazz wares were, were just so early on that. It was, it was <laughs> a little too early. remarkable. <laughs> well, you know, you can't, you, you, um, sometimes you have to be. Um, in order to be on time, you have to be. Um, what, like, a lot of the folks who listen to this show aren't uh, necessarily from the toy space. They might be familiar with it. What, do you think are some of the, I suppose, the misperceptions maybe of the toy industry, or maybe another way of putting that is like, what are the things that that you've now learned about the toy industry, which are really not obvious to an outsider? Well, one, we do not make toys in our garage. So I think we've had that <laughs> question a lot. We are, my Jug was asked if he was like making it in his garage. We're not, he's not Geppetto. Like we, we clarify that. Um, I think that, you know, like everything, people's reactions, oh, you're in the toy business. That's so much fun. And it is, but it's hard like any other business. And there is a lot of pressure associated with it because safety is so very important and protecting children and making sure we're doing right by children is so critical that there is, you know, it's tough stuff. And um, there's a lot of pieces that go into that puzzle. And there's a lot of accountability for that. And um, I'd say a lot, a lot of other industries or people from other industries also don't realize that we're really trend-based. We're a fashion industry. If you look at our showroom at any given year, our showroom will look completely different, um, you know, or 70% different year over year. And the problem is we're not just sewing product. We're making, you know, molds out of steel and it takes a long time. So we're taking a lot of risk and there's never a sure thing. You, you can never say kids will definitely love this. People will definitely want this. This is a no brainer. That almost never happens in our business. It's almost like, hmm, why was that so different? Or why was that so successful? Or why wasn't right. that? And I think everybody in the toy business would agree with those assessments of it. It is a, a complicated beast that's ever changing and you have to be nimble, you have to be quick and, um, and you gotta take the risk when you see something has got the shot because things don't always happen forever. Right, how far out are you making bets when you're looking at trends? Um, we are looking ahead at least 18 months to, 20, to two years. Right. Wow. So it's far um, with our own IP. It's about that far, but normally our development cycle is very long. And I think people don't realize that, you know, we've been developing cocoa melon products, for example, since, you know, uh, 19. So the end of 19, if you think about it, and for many people, like they're just starting to see it in their markets. It's just getting out there. So we're like relying on these videos being the most popular. Like kids are still going to love eat your veggies video. Kids are still going to feel connected. Um, but also working with our partners to get advanced knowledge of what's coming down the pipe for them as a property. Uh, so mm. it's, yeah, you know, a lot of it's metrics, data analytics, so important. I would say 
that's something probably people don't know how much we use analytics in our company to determine size, scale, scope, and um, it's our business intelligence team is really critical to our functioning. And we've used that very early on. I'd say it's part of our secret sauce. Mm, wow, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if people truly appreciated the depth of, 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 of the data science that goes on behind um, you know, Jazzwares and, and, and some of your peers as well. Um, Laura, this has been like really, really insightful conversation. And one last question. Um, we're asking guests on this season to make a prediction about their space for next year. Um, and I think in your case, it's you're not allowed to use the word container or logistics because yeah. I think that's 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 clearly going to be a factor into 22 as well. But any any thoughts about next year and what's coming down the track? For for our space, for Jazzwares in particular, we're going to have an amazing 2022. We have an unbelievable portfolio of properties from Pokemon, Swishmallows, Roblox, Coco Melon, Blippi. Um, we've taken some really made some really smart decisions and we will continuously work to fill the demand which we do not see dying down so we're really optimistic about 22 and we're optimistic that it's going to be uh, easier on our side um, and easier for the consumer to find a lot of product fantastic laura zaberski president of jazzwares thank you so much for joining us on kid tech today thank you dylan great seeing you really appreciate uh, being invited here today